Schwab Advisor Services is proud to support the RIA Edge podcast and equally proud to support independent financial advisors like you. In a challenging year, how did 68% of firms surveyed in Schwab's RIA benchmarking study meet or exceed their new client goals? By following key success factors, such as leveraging new technology, adapting strategies to win new business and stay connected with their clients, while also attracting and developing the right talent. The Schwab RIA benchmarking study is just one of many ways they provide you with the insights and resources needed to succeed and grow. Get the full picture at advisorservices.schwab.com. Hello and welcome to the RIA Edge podcast. This is Mark Bruno. I'm the Managing Director of the Wealth Management Group at Informa Connect. And we are very excited for today's episode of RIA Edge, where we'll be talking with Jim Gold, the CEO of Steward Partners Global Advisory. Jim, thank you very much for being here today. I appreciate it. Thank you, Mark. Excited to spend some time with you. And we're excited to dig in and really learn about what has contributed to your growth. As everybody who listens to the RIA Edge podcast knows, we're obviously very focused in talking to people like yourself, Jim, to just really understand what's been driving the truly strategic growth that you've had at Stewart. And I know you've grown in a number of different ways. I mentioned before, I think maybe the listeners are sick of me saying it, but if you've met one RIA, you've met one RIA. Um, and when I think of Stuart, I th- actually think you're one of the most unique firms in the wealth management business because of all the different things that you're doing and all the different ways that you can work with and support advisors. So before we get into the drivers of growth, would you mind just a little bit of a background on the history and the formation of Stuart and also just an overview of some of your primary businesses, please? Sure. Happy to do that. Yeah, the firm, I think the genesis of the firm really goes back to uh, Smith Barney, another great firm that no longer exists. And you know, many of the leadership team came out of Smith Barney. Um, and to your point, Mark, I think I'll, I'll highlight some of the ways I think we're different. So no one on the leadership team is an advisor, right? So we're running an organization. Most of us were advisors. So it's a firm really built by advisors for advisors. But I think what's different is the, the folks leading the organization are not in production or producing with, or working with clients. So I think very, very different there. We, we sought to really do a couple of things I thought were critical. One was to really give an advisor sort of the best of both worlds. And in the earliest days of the firm, we were very focused on sort of what's referred to as the wirehouse breakaway type advisor. And if you were working at a wirehouse firm, there's a lot of wonderful things about that. There's a lot of challenges as well. And we really wanted to set up a firm that gave people sort of that best of both worlds, right? To give them the benefits of the infrastructure and resources of a wirehouse, coupled with the benefits of being independent, which is really, really unique. Uh, The firm was founded really the tail end of 2013. Um, We work with Raymond James, who we still work with today. They're a terrific partner to us, and we're super proud to represent them. And I think that opportunity was to build an organization that is focused on a great culture. We talk about we want to work with great people who also run a great business. So we target advisors to join us who are heavily advisory. Most of our advisors have a CFP designation or higher. And I think it's, you know, opt, you have to sort of opt into being a partner at a firm, right? I think a significant differentiator in our model is the equity component. So every single person that says, I'm at Steward Partners is also an equity holder of the parent company. 
um, in a independent model, that's unheard of today. There's not another firm out there that you could affiliate with as sort of a 1099 that's going to also grant you equity in the parent companies. We are truly the only one. And there are very, very, very few firms that do that in a W-2. We actually do that in both. And I think that was really one of our early specific goals was to sort of harken back to the great glory years of Wall Street and many of the great firms of the past were partnerships. And what that really meant was you were a shareholder of that firm, right? And the ownership of that firm was important to you. It's a very unique model in this business and the, the wealth management landscape. And I think it gives a good foundation for talking through some of the different areas where you've experienced quite a bit of growth. Uh, before we do, just to tell the tape, where are we now in terms of stewards, assets under management, and roughly, you know, give or take, the total number of advisors that you now have across the country? Sure. Yeah, so we wrapped up last year off the top of my head. We were a little over $27 billion in total assets, a little over $17 billion in RIA assets, which... Uh, we were proud to be ranked by Barron's for the last three years in a row. Our RIA is very new. It's it's less than five years old. So for the firms ranked at our level, there's very few of our tenure. Most of them are, are multiples of our tenure. So sure. we were ranked last year as the 20th largest RIA in the world. The RIA is about 50% larger now. So we're hoping to be somewhere in the teens this year. Advisor account is around 185 uh, currently and forecasted to do a little over 200 million in, in total revenue this year. Excellent. I appreciate that. And uh, congratulations on how much you've accomplished in an incredibly short period of time. Um, I think you've made uh, a huge impact on the business and excited to learn a little bit more about you know, some of the problems that you're solving for the advisors that come to Stewart. Um, and I actually would love to start there. Um, a lot of the conversations we have on RA Edge are about you know, M&A. Um, and I look at M&A as having a lot of different forms, right? There's the classic just acquisition model, um, but then there's also recruiting, which you know, I consider to be an organic growth, of course, as well. So within that category, can you talk a little bit about you know, when you're recruiting or you're looking at an acquisition, what specific problems do you solve for sellers or advisors that you're looking to bring on board? Yeah, it's a great question, Mark. We, we really focus on, I think, our deliverable and just talking about where I think that's unique. So for folks that are independent today, so we've had existing independents join us. We've obviously had a huge number of breakaway advisors join us as a percentage of the, of the current uh, you know, headcount and partnership. Where I think it's different is we talk about the equity, which is critical, and the upside of the equity. The equity also pays out profit sharing. So there's cash flow from the equity as well. But I think it's a unique model of saying in each region that we cover, we have dedicated boots on the ground, uh, market leaders. They are partnering with their local operations and risk officers who work with them. And they serve a very small number, relatively speaking, of advisors. So we wanted to build this sort of concierge look and feel. So again, we think about going independent. In most cases, part of that decision is hey, who on the team is going to become our compliance person and get the nine and 10, if you will? Right. All, all of those services are provided by Steward, right? So it's really very much a turnkey offering. And we dig in from helping them find space to you know design of their space to printers, computers, payroll, you name it. So I think it's a really, really robust offering. And I think 
Many other firms have parts of what we offer, but I have never seen another firm that has all, all the attributes of what we can offer someone. And, and what are some of the things that you're looking for if you're talking to you know, an ideal team, um, whether it's a you know, recruit or a potential acquisition? You mentioned before potentially where they're coming from, but if sometimes when we talk about targets, we get very quantitative. I'd be curious where they are maybe in their life stage or life cycle as an mm-hmm. advisor, right? Uh, how many are looking for a succession solution? How many are maybe sort of mid-stage and looking for someone that can help drive their growth? I'm curious, what it, who, what's the ideal fit or profile for Stuart? You know, we want to hire established advisors, right? So we we talk about targeting at least a million dollar average per advisor. Um, The average advisor recruited last year was about a million four in revenue. If you feel fully diluted, total advisors hired. We we really do talk about and mean that we'd like to work with great people and the getting to know you process and, and they're doing their due diligence on us. We're doing our due diligence on them. Where we're, we're super fortunate is that so many of our advisors today came here as a result of a referral from an existing partner, right? So mm-hmm. if you're working with a great person and they say, hey, Jim, you got to talk to Mark Bruno over at wherever. He's a great guy. You'd love him. He'd love it here, right? So it helps us continue to build that culture. I think it's also, it's a different personality that wants to opt into a partnership but listen, many people want to work in an environment and they want to be part of something that's bigger than them. Yeah. They want to contribute to that. And they also want to you know, get the reward back from being part of that. Yeah. It's, uh, it, it, again, a very different model and value proposition and not surprised that it's resonating in the way that it is. I am curious, you mentioned culture a couple of times. I've seen Steward win or have the company's been recognized as the best places to work you know, multiple times. When you're looking at a team or potential acquisition, more qualitatively, what are some of the characteristics that you're looking for and value the most? Um, Again, we tend to attract people that are heavily advisory based. So um, 82% of our revenue last year came out of our corporate RIA. So obviously a significant part of what we do. Most of that are advisors running their own models with discretion. So we really try to start out as almost a consultant to them and say, what are you trying to accomplish? We don't need to spend any time on why you're not happy today at your current firm. Just tell me what are the things you're missing that maybe we can solve for. And listen, we, we don't solve for everything and, and that's not always the right answer. But in many, many cases, what they're looking for is something we do provide. I'm also very focused, Mark, and I, I always say coming out of a wirehouse and, and I was an advisor all the way up to a complex director, I would say to recruits, I said, listen, I, you know, you look at me as overhead and management. So if I'm lucky, you believe about every third word I'm saying. So please talk to our advisors, go on our website, call anyone you want, all their phone numbers are on the website and they'll tell you what it's like to work here. Right. And that's a powerful message to someone to know that, you know, listen, no firm is perfect, but I think it's, it's overall, I think a terrific place to work and people are either attracted to that or not. So it's, it's somewhat of a self-selection process, right? That that personality of someone who says, I want to be part of a partnership, we find that they tend to fit in well here. So that's a, that's a good good fit for us as well. That's great. And I appreciate that. Uh, just the additional context, there are so many different ways that people we've had on this show can answer the question. So I appreciate the additional color. Um, I am also curious, you've, been, you've had a number of announcements uh, and you mentioned just how many recruits you've had over the last several years. Um, and it seems like we're writing about it on the wealthmanagement.com side you know, every week or every other week. Uh, but you've also 
had some pretty notable and sizable investments from you know, really large organizations like Sinusure and Pritzker. So if you wouldn't mind, can you tell us a little bit more about what those partnerships look like and what they bring, right? Or what they enable, I should say, for Stewart. Sure, absolutely. Um, and again, I would just I would highlight for the listeners that when you look at firms like ours, I don't know of another firm ever built to our size that didn't launch with outside capital. Sure. We are the only one that I know of. So we launched in late 2013, took in our first outside capital uh, over six years later. So the first group was Sinashore. They are a family office based out of uh, Salt Lake City, Utah. And really great people. We got to know them through one of our board members, Charlie Johnson, who used to run uh, Smith Barney and then Morgan Stanley Smith Barney for a period of time. And, and they've been absolutely terrific. So uh, there's two folks from Sinusure on our board and they bring a ton of value, right? Because they have other RIA investments around the country. They know the wealth management space really well. So they're connected to a huge network of people. They also help us with strategy and vision. I always say, you know, they have private equity uh, level knowledge with a family office wrapper, which is a very mm -hmm. friendly wrapper for us to, to work within. Yeah. And so we get a ton of help on, hey, we're looking at an M&A opportunity. Help us on the deal structure. What do you think about this? What do you think about that? Um, so been a great, great sounding board for us uh, since they've joined us. And then, as you mentioned, uh, we were fortunate to then meet the uh, folks from the Pritzker TPO, which is the Pritzker organization, uh, which is Tom Pritzker, who is the current chairman of Hyatt Hotels, it's Tom Pritzker's personal family office. So uh, we were introduced to, the, to them by a third party last February, February of 21. Uh, they put $100 million in last May, <clears throat> excuse me, and they were terrific. They, they've been great, great people. Again, super knowledgeable. They actually knew the folks from Sinashore. So they felt really comfortable the fact that Sinashore is already in here. They got the mm -hmm. chance to spend time with the Sinashore team. And I think importantly, which again is very, very different, is the Sinashore investors re retained 100% of their investment, right? It's much more normal to see, you know, the second investor tends to knock out the first investor right. or at least part of what they've done. In this case, it was 100% role. It's 100% side by side. Uh, we had a chance actually to meet Mr. Pritzker. That We had our national conference out in Chicago back in May. And uh, Tom hosted our board meeting and our board dinner and a cocktail reception for our advisor and CAM council. So it was great to spend time with him then. Oh, that's great. And I, it, I think what's also really unique, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but we've seen a lot of private equity money come into the space over the last you know, five or six years. And that can often be you know, short term. You know, when you look at the types of investors and partners that you've just mentioned, it would seem like you know, longer term, right? if not you know, permanent capital in some ways. Um, right. And they have an understanding of the wealth management business too, which as successful as many firms have been in wealth management, it still feels like a secret right, in the financial services industry. Although I think the secret's starting to get out. Sure. No, I think you're exactly right. And I think that's a critical point, Mark, is that neither of these investments came out of a fund. So there's right. absolutely no shelf life on them. There's no forced you know, liquidity moment. And I think as Keith Taylor said from Sinusure, which is a very way, good articulate way to put it, is we're happy to be in an illiquid investment as long as we're getting illiquid rates of return, right? right? So as long as we continue to do what we're doing, everyone's happy, everyone wins. I think that you know the train keeps rolling the way it is. Excellent. And I also want to talk a little bit about your organic growth. I mean, we've talked about a lot of the recruiting that you've done um, and the types of firms that you're looking to work with, but 
it seems like you've had quite a bit of organic growth over the last several years as well. Um, so I'm curious, if you wouldn't mind, can you walk us through some of the drivers of organic growth? And if you, to the extent that you can, you know, what portion of your overall growth is coming from you know, overall uh, is coming from organic? Sure. Yes, we've had really good organic growth. And I think, as you know, you know, the industry, the organic growth tends to be on average, you know, somewhere between zero and very low single digits. Um, we tend to experience a much higher level of overall organic growth. So we're knocking on double digits organic growth. And it's really because people come here and I think it's a combination of we want to be a super compliant firm, obviously, number one, but a very easy place to do business, right? Yeah. And I think looking at the tools and resources we can give an advisor, um, many of our advisors have had significant, significant growth. Uh, we have an advisor that comes to mind who was a multi-million dollar producer after, say, 25 years in the business and has literally doubled their business in five years at Stewart. So what took 25 years in another environment only took five years here. And that was not buying a book. It was there was no big you know asterisk on that growth. It was true organic growth. We actually have, which was at the request of our advisors, we put in place an organic growth award uh, for the partners who grow to get more equity in the partnership. So we were super excited last year. We had forty six teams hit the growth award, which represented almost half wow. of our advisor population. That's great. And and the example you gave before that is obviously some extreme organic growth, right? In a short period of time. Um, but when you look at some of the firms that are growing the fastest across the you know, stewards, what are they doing differently to drive those accelerated growth rates? You know what it is? It's, it's like everything else in life. The simplest things work the best. So I think it's, it's a combination of, I would say, you know, the full access to social media, not the sort of skim milk watered down version you know, the ability, we have advisors writing books about financial services, blogging, tweeting, doing podcasts like this for their clients, using mm -hmm. Zoom technology, um, using tools that were not available from where they came from. So for the folks that want to grow, they're finding that all these little pieces and parts, you know, 2% here, 3% there, next thing you know, you're growing by 15%, not 3%. So really, it's a combination of that. Um, I think it's better compensation. They're not getting haircut on the revenue they produce here. It's whatever revenue you produce, 100% of that goes to you as the advisor, to your gross. Um, so that that helps over time as well. Yeah. And no, I'm glad you brought up the last part, right? Because the proper alignment of interests, right, is right. A, a major key. And even if a lot of the listeners here are not at the size or the scale, or they're not able to offer the type of partnership that you have, I can't reinforce enough how having the appropriate alignment of interests right, in place can really help ignite and drive truly strategic growth. Um, and I think you know what I just would love to get your take. You mentioned blogs and social media, and a lot of the people that we've had on this podcast, we've talked about since you know, March of 2020, just how completely different the business is. Um, we hosted our Wealth Management Edge conference for 1600 people back in May and June. And we, we walked away saying, you know what, it really is a new era for advice. Um, sure. Big part of your value proposition 10 years ago was that you were within 25 miles of where your clients lived, right? And that's completely changed. Right. Um, so when you look at the business in general now and some of the opportunities, not just for steward, but for advisors, you know, where and how are you seeing this new era of advice taking shape? And what guidance or advice would you give to listeners who are looking to drive and accelerate their growth rates? 
Yeah, I think, listen, it's obviously each advisor has to make their own decision, but you have to think about you know, how are you reaching out to clients? Where is your message being heard? You know, how do your clients want to interact with you? So I live in Northport, Long Island. Back in the day, if your client, if, you, if your advisor was in New York City, you'd have to set up a time to go in and see them and, and do an account review. And now you could do it all through Zoom, right? Yeah. And sometimes with the traffic on the Long Island Expressway, going to New York City doesn't sound real appealing, right? So I, I think it's, a, it's a, a way of finding out how your clients want to be communicated with. So I think there's sort of two different distinct groups, Mark. I would think about how does the, the new world affect your existing clients and now, how are you going to reach clients in the new world? So I think social media is an amazing tool. We also have advisors all over barons and publications and being interviewed and getting on TV. Um, and these are opportunities that we put in front of them to help them get their name out, get their own recognition. So I think branding is important. I think advisor websites are more important than ever. Having audio content, video content, being able to articulate your story that maybe it doesn't come across in a article on your website about who you are and how you work with clients. Maybe it would come across a lot better if you were telling your story on a video, right? And having the ability to load up that video content onto your website, right? So many, many of our advisors are taking full advantage of that. And I think they're seeing a real growth in new clients, new assets coming in as a result of those efforts. Definitely. The top of the funnel is bigger than it ever has been before. And I was actually doing a webinar you know, earlier this week that was about you know, equity markets and where we go from here. Um, and we really just landed on this theme again and again, that it's a bull market for financial advice, right? Sure. Even if it might be a bear market uh, more broadly for equities. And, and I think a lot of what you just said rings true um, because what's the first thing that somebody does when they hear about an advisor, right? You do a Google search um, right. and they land on your LinkedIn page or they land on your website, right? So that is your only chance to make a first impression. I'm glad you brought it up. No one's actually brought that up on the R Hedge podcast to date. Um, so thank you for that, Jim. I appreciate it. Just a, a final question before we let you go. And uh, you know, I really do appreciate you giving as much of an overview and a deep dive on Stuart and the success that you've had. But as you look at the industry and we look out across the you know, second half of 2022 and we start to gaze into 2023, where do you see some of the most uh, opportunities for advisors in this new era or this bull market for financial advice? Yeah, listen, I think the financial services industry, you know, I, I've been doing this long enough now. So I started 27 years ago. And you know, you've seen 10 different things that were going to be the death of advice, right? Online trading, you know, whatever it was. The more that's out there, the more confused people are. The higher net worth people sit there and say, I'm not going to, you know, trade my own account. I want to get advice the same way you'd go to an estate attorney or a CPA, what have you. So I, I think the opportunity is enormous. Uh, I think the independent space is in. I wouldn't even say the first inning of its growth. I would say like the teams just took the field and the pitcher's warming up, right? So there's going to be so much more consolidation. There's a huge opportunity within our space for succession. You know, so if you're under 40, under 50, there's a huge opportunity there. You know, the average age at Stewart is actually 50 if we take all of our advisors. So we're much younger than the overall industry. But yeah, I mean, the wealth creation in, in America in particular and the, and the opportunity has absolutely never been greater. But I think there's also a need to make sure that you are in the right environment. You have all the tools at your disposal because, listen, CPAs are trying to give advice and, you know, mm -hmm. insurance companies have wealth management. I mean, everyone has their hand in this pie and they're all trying to, you know, do what each other does. 
Um, no one can be everything to all people. But I think, you know, for the right advisor, you got to have the right atmosphere, the right environment. That my corny analogy I always use, Mark, is people are, are very successful. And it's like you're you're qualifying for the Olympics running around the track and field with work boots on. Maybe we'll put a pair of sneakers on you and show you how fast you can really go. Right. No, it's a, a good way to look at it. And I appreciate your analogy uh not even being <laughs> in the first inning yet for the independent space i think i would agree with that and that's exactly why we're doing the ra edge podcast and hosting the ra edge workshops and events right? we want to provide real guidance and education to the community particularly with as much need and opportunity as there is jim thank you very much for stopping by ra edge and sharing your thoughts i might actually run into you on the lie one day in traffic i'm about 10 miles away from you which i did not realize Oh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> Jim, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks for your time today. And thank you to everybody for listening to this episode of the RA Edge podcast. Again, it's Mark Bruno, the Managing Director of the Wealth Management Group at Informa Connect. And we look forward to having you all back on the next episode of the RA Edge podcast. Schwab Advisor Services is proud to support the RA Edge podcast and equally proud to support independent financial advisors like you. In a challenging year, how did 68% of firms surveyed in Schwab's RAI benchmarking study meet or exceed their new client goals? By following key success factors, such as leveraging new technology, adapting strategies to win new business, and stay connected with their clients, while also attracting and developing the right talent. The Schwab RAI benchmarking study is just one of many ways they provide you with the insights and resources needed to succeed and grow. Get the full picture at advisorservices.schwab.com.